everybody, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. And this is the Movie Palace Podcast, podcast number 117, the Tender Bar episode. I don't know why I titled that. Just want to let you guys know that's what we're reviewing from Prime Video. <laughs> that's our movie. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoiler alert. We're also starting a new segment here. I guess a new journey into something outside of, like we did the Studio Ghibli films. We're going to we're going to intro. We're actually going to intro that in a second. We'll keep it a secret. Although, if you read the description, you already know. So, <laughs> as we're recording this, we're diving Pretty into much. something new where we're going to be going over. I think we kind of hinted at it before: director discography of films or filmography. I'm sorry. So, let's get into our new section: the Francis Ford Coppola Corner. So, as you guys know, probably from that title there, we are going to be diving into Francis Ford Coppola, a pretty legendary FFC? director, I'd say, um, FFC. has made some of the, I mean, arguably uh, some of the most iconic movies ever created, possibly. Certainly, yeah. There's quite a few um, yeah. big iconic films. So, you might be thinking, nah, really. why, why, <laughs> yeah, why was like, oh, <laughs> I don't really know half, I, need, I know one of these, I, I may be. Maybe. Uh, so we we want to go over kind of like why we, we chose it. I think we kind of were going through a few directors and maybe, what was it with Coppola? It's just that he has, it's kind of strange for me personally. I think it's because for a guy that is such an iconic director now, he's kind of, seems like he's been blacklisted almost. Like he just doesn't make movies or when he did, they, I don't remember any of his movies after the mid nineties, I want to say. For the most part, I think he's one of the directors whose movies uh, we haven't really had much, not access to, but we haven't really seen, aside from the Godfather movies, you know? Yeah. Well, he's done a lot of production work, though. He's, he's been producing a lot more films. I, I think, though, directing, yeah, he, he certainly hasn't done a lot of directing films uh, for quite some time. And we didn't want to Just go too crazy with like somebody that's done like 100 fucking movies and such, and his list is... <laughs> Is doable. It's from the basically early '60s to mid 2000s. So, and I think I think one of the cool things about it too is that he actually lives in the Napa Valley now. So it's like to me and Marco, like we're gonna he's find like right you. there. We're gonna find you. He's the only he's filmmaker own, uh, of this caliber got, that is close by. I guess <laughs> technically, yeah, he's got his own winery too. Yeah, cool. and he has his own winery. You can go to the Coppola Winery. We're drinking that. Me and Marco are drinking that tonight. Yeah, we're, we're drinking smashing the, on this right now. Sophia Rose. It's going to be an interesting uh, episode. It kind of hit me a little bit, I ain't going to lie. But, uh, yeah. She only made a nice charcuterie board. So. <laughs> and it pairs quite well with the cheese and the crack. <laughs> so It does. It's quite delish. So with every couple of film, we're going to try to have a glass of wine. And see how it goes from there. It might be unintelligible <laughs> by the end. I'm not sure, really. So I want to do start with it then. <laughs> uh, Nabil, outside, I know you've seen all three Godfather. Uh, Mark, you've seen all three too, right? Yeah. Okay, so outside of those, starting with you, Nabil, have you seen any other Coppola films? Oh, yeah. I've, I've seen uh, Apocalypse Now. It's a great okay. film. Yes. Um, of course, some of his 90s films, like Jack and um, was The Rainmaker, I think, is another I one. I did not know he made Jack, by the way. Yeah, yeah I, I thought he I produced saw Jack it. In I didn't realize theaters. he actually directed it. I saw that in yeah. theaters when I was a kid. Yeah. I had no idea. And I've seen The Rainmaker as well, but I saw that yeah. after the fact. And, you know, his best film of all time, Captain EO, that's... That's a classic right Short there. Short film so. with Michael Jackson. <laughs> Dancing to the space. Wow. Seen that wow. Many, many times. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Marco? Same. You know, the Godfather movies, though, those are the main ones I've seen. The Outsiders, I've seen that one as well, too. I haven't seen Bram that one in a long Dracula. time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, Dracula. Mm-hmm. With Keanu. So, Whoa, uh, Dracula's I, Yes. <laughs> I saw that, and... I think that's pretty much it, man. I don't think I've ever seen The Rainmaker. I, I've i never seen Jack. I've seen, like, posters for it. And I always mistaken it for, like, the... There's, like, a horror movie that, that almost has a similar title, too. But. What the fuck? Yeah, it's not a horror <laughs> film. Jack is a... Jack no, I know Frost. it's not. I know it's not. Jack I said Frost it sounds shit. like one. It, it sounds looks, like one. It looks like a... It's, like, the same cover as, like, Patch Adams, almost. The look of it. If you guys remember that other Robert very Williams very nineties, it's, yeah. it's that nineties yeah. one. Where he's just standing there, like, "Hey, it's me." So, Jack is an interesting one, though. Just to let you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I, I've seen I've seen more of his movies than I thought, but there's a couple those all of those mid '80s. I don't think I've seen any of those movies outside of I've seen Tucker. Obviously, Tucker's great. I've even seen the Tucker car. It's at his uh, it's at his winery. You've never seen uh, the Outsiders? I saw the Outsiders a long time ago. After I want to say we read it in like fifth or sixth grade, something like that, and then I think we watched it. Yeah, I know I like he just sixth grade reading. Yeah, he yeah. just released the complete novel version of it, which adds like. 25 more minutes, I think, to the movie. And I have not we seen do that. We for Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> Pony boy and shit. Obviously, you've seen The Godfather. Conversation is fantastic, too. If you haven't seen that one. He made that same year as Godfather Part 2. Uh, Nabila knows I've seen Apocalypse Now, like, way too many times. <laughs> Probably God. a few more times I've than seen any normal person should movie. see. That movie has, like, three different the cuts. The, there's a good the Redux horror. version on, um, on uh, Netflix in 4K. Is there? The final yeah. cut, I think, is the best one to watch, though, if you're going to watch one. It is really is that Redux? fucking long, though. Uh, it's not the Redux. It's just... Uh, it's a Redux director's cut, I think, right? Something no, like it's, it's just a Jesus. Now final cut. That's the last final version. Kind of like how um, that movie Alexander from Ridley Scott has, like, 17 versions, too. Like, this is the... Or, like, Blade Runner, for instance, guys, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. since, Alexander's supposed like, to be, like, a four-hour-long movie or some shit. Yeah, a side note on that one. If you do watch the... The final or ultimate cut of that, it's actually not a bad movie. And then outside of that, I don't, after Dracula and Jack, I mean, the Rain, I've not seen any of those 2000 ones that he made. So yeah, this is, I'm actually, I am looking forward to it because it's kind of, it's fun to go through someone's filmography from the beginning to yeah. end, just to kind of see how they as a filmmaker, feel of what they've been doing, see the different genres and stuff like that too. I think it's, right. Plus it's a, it's a little different before we did an entire studio's filmography, you know, Studio Ghibli, if you follow us, if you're nasty. And now we're getting into a director's filmography. We're going to do an actor, but I don't know if you listened to us before, but figured that'd be way Sometimes too long. Sometimes the actor is too much. It, you'd have to get like a newer one. You'd have to get like the 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 direct video movies too. <laughs> oh no! Exactly. Then you, if you if you're going to go Nick Cage or uh, um, Cuba Bruce Gooden Willis Jr. or something, dude. Too oh, many Van films. Damn, dude. Too many films. Yeah. No, Samuel no, Jackson, I got you. You'd be like, I have seventy-seven I movies we got to watch. Like, good God. Hold on, I got you, Steven Seagal. Like ninety percent, like direct TV movies. Yeah, just a small blip from like ninety ninety four. And I know he's a cook who knows how to fight in every fucking movie. Uh, so let's jump into it. So um, we do want to just give you guys like a breakdown a bit about Francis Ford Coppola. I know this is. They're gonna say we're gonna give them a break. I'm like, oh sweet, end of the pod. <laughs> See you guys. So this is something where we just kind of go through, and we're gonna give you some information about him. Just some random facts that we pulled out from Wikipedia because it's the greatest source ever. So, yep, I did cut a lot it of never the lies. Out of it, I tried to. So, this never. is basically what we're looking at up into the film that we are reviewing today from him, which is uh, 1963's Dementia 13, which is considered his first um, film, big film at least. <laughs> so, yep. I'll start it out, guys. All right. So, Francis Ford Coppola was born in Detroit, Michigan to father Carmine and mother Italia Coppola. He was born to a family of Italian immigrant ancestry. His paternal grandparents came to the United States from, I'm going to not try to uh, butcher this, guys, but it's uh, Italian as fuck. So it's Bernaldo Basiliacata, something? Basilicata? Close enough, man. We'll it's, take it. We're, we're Ita- not Italian. So Italian. So we're on a first take his, basis right now. Yeah, Coppola, he received his middle name, actually. This is interesting, in honor of Henry Ford. Not only because he was born in the Henry Ford Hospital, because his father's association with the automobile manufacturer. He did like some work for them directly. So, yeah. As a boy, he did contract polio. Uh, he was bedridden for quite a few period, long period of his uh, childhood. But it did give him some time with his imagination and also did a little bit of homemade puppet theater at home. Uh, he read the, a street, uh, the book, uh, Are We... He read a book. Uh, the book. Spit it out, you I know. Son of a bitch. I fucking say. <laughs> he read the book, a streetcar named Desire, at age fifteen, and that was pretty instrumental in developing his interest in theater. After earning his theater arts degree from Hofstra in 1960, Coppola enrolled in UCLA, aka UCLA Film School. <laughs> there, he directed a short film called a short horror film called The Two Christophers, inspired by Edgar Allan Poe's William Wilson. And I Am On The Terrible, a film about a sculptor's nightmares coming to life, which sounds like my everyday nightmare. So, it's fine. 
It's okay. Just you kidding. love the, you love the movie Mannequin. It's fine. <laughs> Indeed, I love that movie Mannequin. Saw it with good company. All right. In the early 1960s, Coppola was completely broke, so this forced him to survive on ten dollars a week. I mean, sounds like my life. <laughs> looking for looking for a way to earn some extra money, he found that many colleagues from film school paid their bills filming erotic <clears throat> productions known as nudie cuties or skin flicks, which showed nudity without implying any sexual act. Marco, Marco, this sounds familiar. <laughs> Are sounds you like my a biography. <laughs> Showtime sounds like a dark? basic, uh, you know, pick message to me. I don't know. A typical Tuesday. All right. At 21, Coppola wrote the script for The Peeper, a comedy short film about a voyeur who tries to spy on a sensual photo shoot in the studio next to his apartment. The young filmmaker found an interested producer who gave him $3,000 to shoot the film. You know, pretty good deal for uh, for a nude cutie. Coppola hired uh, Playboy playmate Marley Renfro to play the model and his friend Carl Shanzer to play the voyeur. With The Peeper finished... The still unknown Coppola found that the cartoonish aspects of the film alienated potential buyers. Of course, who did not find the 12 minute short exciting sh- enough to show in adult theaters? No Pee Hermans here, man. <laughs> nope, nope. <laughs> the Peeper. Wow. Oh my God. These freaking names. Hey, everybody had to start somewhere, though, right? No, I right. know. I know. After hearing many refusals, God, it sounds like my life. Coppola ended up in the office of Premier Pictures Company, a small production company that had invested in a nudie cutie called The Wide Open Spaces, an erotic western which was written and directed by Jerry, Sh- Jerry Schaefer, but shelled for over a year. Both Schaefer's film and The Peeper featured Marley Renfro, so the producers decided to pay Coppola $500 to combine the scenes from both films. I'm assuming that was a lot of money back then. So, 60s, yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. After after Coppola re-edited the picture, it was released in 1962 as the softcore comedy Tonight for Sure. Another production company, Screenwrite Pictures, hired Coppola to do a similar job, recut a German film titled Mit Eva Fung Dein Sun On. Sin Began with Eve, directed by Fritz Umgitler. Coppola added some new 3D color footage with British model June Wilkinson and some naked starlets. The re-edited film was released as The Bellboy and The Playgirls. Some years later, Roger Corman, a famed producer, hired Coppola as an assistant. Corman first tasked Coppola with dubbing and re-editing the Soviet science fiction film Nebo Zovyat, which Coppola turned into a sex and violence monster movie, Battle Beyond the Sun, released in 1962. Impressed by Coppola's perseverance and dedication, Corman hired him as a dialogue director for Tower of London, also released in 1962, and a sound man for The Young Racers that came out in 1963, and an associate producer and one of many uncredited directors for The Terror in 1963. So that's a little info leading up to our movie that we're going to be reviewing here, which is Dementia 13. The funeral ceremony is today. Kathleen's dead for seven years. Why do you keep having the same ceremony over and over again? Castle Halloran is a very strange place. The kind of place you'd expect a ghost to like to wander around in. When is haunted? By Kathleen. How did she die? She drowned in the pond. You remember all those years ago? The dreams, faces in the shadows. They're Kathleen stars. One of you has a brilliantly imaginative and sadistic mind. All right, so our movie is Dementia 13. This was released in 1963 in September 25th. Uh, This is sitting at a 69% on Rotten Tomatoes. Shocked by the death of her spouse, a scheming widow hatches a bold plan to get her hands on the inheritance, unaware that she is targeted by an axe-wielding murderer who lurks in the family's estate. What mystery shrouds the noble house? Obviously, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, written by Francis Ford Coppola and Jack Hill. This is starring William Campbell as Richard Halloran, uh, Luana Anders as Louise Halloran, Bart Patton as Billy Halloran, Mary Mitchell as Kane, Patrick McGee as Justin Caleb, Ethne Dune as Lady Halloran, Peter Reed as John Halloran, and Carl Schnauzer 
is Simon Schnaz. Shanzer? Actually, it's Shanzer. Shanzer. Did you so, say Schnauzer? Yeah, sorry. The Schnazi? The vine <laughs> is getting to me, sir. Sorry so much. Uh, the history here. This is Coppola's first feature-length film. He, uh, while he was on location in Ireland for the Young Racers in 1963, which I believe he was a sound man for, right? That Nabil just went over? Yes. Yep. Roger yeah. Corman, ever alert for an opportunity to produce a decent movie on a shoestring budget, persuaded Coppola to use that film's leftover funds to make a low-budget horror film. Coppola wrote a brief draft story idea in one night, incorporating elements from Hitchcock's Psycho, and the resultant pressed Corman enough to give the go-ahead. On a budget of $40,000, he got $20,000 from Corman and $20,000 from another producer who wanted to buy the movie's English rights. Coppola directed Dementia 13 over the course of nine days. The film recouped its expenses and later became a cult film among horror buffs. It was on the sets of Dementia 13 that Coppola met his future wife, Eleanor Jesse Neal. Uh, Dementia 13 was also restored, just as a heads up, to a director's cut in 2017 that was released to 1080p Blu-ray disc and digital 4K on September 21st, 2021. So the Blu-ray from Lionsgate includes an introduction audio commentary by Francis Ford Coppola and a prologue Dementia 13 test, which is like a thing in the beginning. And that is the way I actually saw it. I actually went out and bought this movie. So I own this movie in 4K now. Interesting. Um, yeah, I really, I was just like, ah, any movie I see from him, I'm just going to buy it. Fuck it. So I'm trying to support the guy. And, um, it's pretty good in 4K, I won't lie. And the little, um, intro is kind of nice, because he, he has a lot of love for this movie, by the way, as his first, like, movie. But, uh, oh, Roger sure. Corman yeah. didn't let him edit it the way he wanted to, so... Did you guys have, like, a voiceover in the beginning and end of the movie? No, I saw no, I that shit on voiceover. Paramount Plus, so... Okay, I think the Paramount Plus one has the director's cut as well, just to let you know. Because apparently the original cut is like longer, actually, and it has like a voiceover in the beginning and end explaining shit or something. No, there's no voiceover in the film. Okay. Just want to make sure. Uh, I'll start with you, Nabil. What did you uh, think about this movie for uh, Dimension 13? It was it was uh, pretty good, to be honest. For It was better than I expected it to be. A very Hitchcock-esque, uh, yes. which is what I wasn't <laughs> expecting. And then I, as we started going through, it was like, oh. I, and in fact, I even had to look it up because the year it came out. I was like, wait, when did Psycho come out? Because I felt like it was around about the same time. And yeah, so it, it definitely makes sense that there was elements to Hitchcock's uh, film to this. Because that's that's a lot of the vibe that I got from this film. Nice. Uh, what about you, Marco? I'd say it's the first time that I actually agree with the Rotten Tomato score. of 69%. It's nice. not great. It's not bad, but it's it's pretty good. Uh, it's I think I was talking to James earlier about it and was telling him that I think one thing that helps the movie a lot is that it's not too long. It's only like a, about an hour and 15 minutes long. And really because of how simple the plot is, it doesn't really need that much time. So it's it's very short, direct and to the point, which I, I appreciated that. It didn't waste a lot of time, which kind of surprised me. I was expecting a like a slow burn, but the the plot for for the time moved, you know, at a, at a pretty decent pace. Acting was pretty good, actually, because you, you I know, know any it, of these people, man. Neither did I. So I, <laughs> I, was, like, I was quite surprised because th- this is around the time, you know, 50s, 60s, where people are, you know, coming from theaters. So everything's like, like over exaggerated. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the the actor who played Louise Harlan, uh, Halloran, Luana Anders, did really good. She was very charismatic and uh, she was probably my favorite one of the entire cast because she just did great as, as her role as the widow, just, you know, trying to scheme her way through things. And I'd, I'd say it's probably, you know, probably my favorite parts of the movie are scenes with her in it. So, yeah, it was, you know, it was decent. I agree with you, you guys. It, I, it, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. I thought it was okay. Um, For a first time film director, I mean, it's pretty impressive. There's actually some really good shots in this movie. I was trying to look yeah. at it in that kind of aspect too. Like, there's some, especially early on, and uh, when Luis first gets to the estate, I guess you would call it, right? Castle. It's like yes. a castle, basically, yeah. dude. Like, dude, or even the underwater scenes. I was like, oh shit, dude, they pretty impressive. Underwater. They shot that, underwater. That I think was very impressive seeing that, especially in the '60s. You don't get to see. I mean, what the other film that we got to see that in was uh, was a Thunderball, right, for James Bond that we, yeah. we got to see kind of around that era. So, but yeah, but this movie was made for like, like pennies on a dime compared right. to that movie. Exactly. Basically, that's like, that, that's what was impressive. 
That's yeah. what was impressive, I was like, they James. Were probably, and I, I guarantee you that wasn't in a tank because they didn't have the money to do that. Like, that, like they're sure probably not. really yeah. diving oh, yeah. into she, that pond and like filming. She got into that fucking lagoon and she was like, "Well, you know." I had no idea it. what this was going to be about, too, like leading into it. I thought it was a monster flick for some reason. And then I saw this. And I said, I'm way off. It was actually. I was close. It, did you know it was like a slasher kind of? No, I just I because of the that. name, I thought it, I thought it was about someone going crazy and it was kind of close to it. And the uh, I really did get a lot of Hitchcock psycho vibes. So I'm, I'm glad that 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 they, the history mentions that, you know, he took inspiration from Hitchcock because it, it shows it was like creepy, which is what I liked. It yeah. actually sets the yeah. tone really well, and I was just like, man. And I think I I hundred percent agree with you, Marco. It's because it also there's not a lot of fat in this movie. It gets to the point. I actually my favorite character was the doctor, Justin Caleb. He <laughs> he's very creepy. He's yeah, like, I was gonna I, say the red hair was him. Favorite. I was like, he's got to be the killer, right? But then you meet Billy, and he's just <laughs> Billy's just sweating every time you see him. And I was like, oh, maybe it's him too. Couple got a he's thing with super brothers, nervous the whole time. So, yeah, he's just like he he feels bad, and then there's like really like the daughter is like a doll, and it's like she they have her body set up still. That like creeped the shit out of me. Yeah, at first I that thought was it was freaky. the actual body, and I was wondering, I was like, did they keep the body that well for seven years? That seems weird. <laughs> I, that's when I was like, is she really? Are we seeing it from her perspective? Is she like going nuts? Right. Um, I'll say this much, like. They do a good job with that. I think where it takes a dive is after Luis dies. She kind of dies suddenly. That's where it starts showing you that there's like a axe murderer, you know, going on. Yeah, that's the first it, time there's any real violence in the film. Yeah, yeah. That, that scene there. It it does it does take a dive, James, and it's also quite shocking that they kill basically the lead of the, the movie lead, up until yeah, that point. Because I was yeah. like, who's the main character now? But I like that. I don't know why I did, but it's it's not something that was so common back then because you know you never kill the lead. You know, never. She's to on stay the poster throughout. too, and I was like, she yeah. dies yeah. like halfway, halfway through, through the movie. The film. Yeah. Like, supposed to stay with you throughout the movie, and then bam, she gets you know. At that Chopped. point, are you just kind of falling along with Richard, or is it kind of shift focus to the doctors kind of stuff? I guess. No, you you kind of go between Caleb and you go between um, uh, Richard's uh, you know in, uh, fiance, which I can't remember her name. Uh, so I think that between those two, you were going back and forth. But I got a little confused because. When she died, I was like, because they look so similar. <laughs> I was like, wait, is that Dude, the same right? person? Dude, we're going back to when she show, first shows up, I was even a little confused. I was like, who the fuck is this? You know what I mean? <laughs> and then I realized, yeah. I was like, oh, never mind. Okay, I get it. And then they're just yeah. like, the whole family is kind of really weird, too. It has a like really creepy vibe to it. Like, they do a, that ritual every year where they go to the, the, they know that their mom, like, passes out every time. And they're, like, prepped for it and shit. And then. The flower dies when it touches the thing. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is getting weird. <laughs> they they definitely suffer from a lot of trauma that just goes untreated. And even the doctor calls it out. And he's like, your whole family has been through a lot of shit. And like, none of you have dealt with it. You just yeah, kind of repress it. But it's it. funny because like Luis is like there to just like fully take advantage of everyone. She even tries to tell Lady Halloran yeah. that like, oh, I can communicate with your dead daughter and stuff. And I was like, this is getting kind of fucked up, man. Well, dude, why was I fucking rooting for her, though? I was oh, hella all, rooting for her. She was taking all this stuff, though, but then she's like, I gotta go, like, yeah. start burying shit in the water, and that's when she gets killed. Yeah. Her. Yeah. Had like, she just, like, you know, had she just let go, you know, and not let the guy chop her, then she would have she would have lived, would have gotten away with it. Well, they didn't even, you know, the there's not a lot of resolution with some of this, because, it does, oh, she I just goes say, missing. It does end quite abruptly, too. Yeah. Or, you know, the fact that their brother died of a heart attack, like, it's just kind of brought up, <laughs> yeah. and they believe the story, well, no, and nothing they, ever they happens of it. And they don't, they think he's on a business trip. She, they, right. she just tells them, like, oh, he couldn't make it, and they they, they do not question it once, just, whatsoever. They just say it, like, kind oh. of okay. Yeah, the, I mean, the, the lady, Halloran, she, she questions it a little bit, but then after uh, Luis kind of comes in and convinces her otherwise about the stuff that she has has connection to the daughter she was here like though there are a few plot holes there not not really plot holes i won't say that it's more just unresolved like it's still just a continual mystery and but but we just kind of move forward into the puzzle well that's just something on the side you know let's just worry about everything else that's going on so that that's kind of uh, an odd part in the film yeah, and another thing that's odd is as the Bill was telling us this, there is a blonde porcelain doll on his lap. So yeah, just saying, <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> He's like, it's my baby. She drowned. 
Jesus Christ. Um, do you, do, Nabil, did you see like hints of somebody that's going to be great? I think we can all say that about Francis Ford Coppola. I, I definitely with the film work, you know, the camera work that he's done on there. You can tell, the shots right? were really I good. Like, oh. I mean, especially for an amateur, like in his first feature film, those, those, um, those shots are, are pretty well put together. I wasn't expecting any of the camera work that he put on there. The transition effects, the um, like we were talking about the underwater scene, even the even the the visualizations of the the murders. You know, with with her getting cho- Louise getting chopped up in the beginning, and then even him going after the uh, the hunter the or the poacher in the woods, like. That whole scene was pretty tense. Just him trying to see if somebody's following him, and then he goes into the the kind of the bunny burrow thing, um, the finding thing, the the doll. Like that was a very tense scene. I didn't That's know what was going to happen yeah. or how was it was like, going to happen. You know, all that was I, really I well put together. Yeah, the, just especially a, with the a, murder just scenes. Just a heads up, real quick. He was only twenty four when he filmed this, too. By the way, yeah. that's insane. Yeah, because the, the murder like scenes. You can... a lot, by the way. Just sorry. Even even though you see the the Hitchcock influence from it, it's it's nice to see that almost emulated by such a young and inexperienced director. Not just that, but I was impressed by the even the car scene when uh, when they're driving to the to the state because usually back then it doesn't then, they look use terrible, a, um, right? No, they I usually know, use I, uh, what's it called, like a screen the in the back. Behind, you know, like they, I think they actually shot it with like a camera on the car, dude. Yeah, I, I was like, once what again, the fuck? They I was like, they did that back then. They, they couldn't afford to get the studio time. I think, right, yeah, right. I think that was it. Like he couldn't afford. I mean, the it seems time. like they were on that estate. They probably rented out like a place in in like England or something like that. Because because it's interesting that it also takes place in our in uh, Ireland. So, so I'm random. assuming they were able to just rent so the random. estate and then yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. all American actors. I mean, I'm sure they're Irish ethnicity, but they're on they're just in Ireland. So it's probably cheaper just to rent that estate that they were in and film for three or four days. The all the on location shots were definitely done very well and added to the realism yeah. too. All right. Uh, I mean, for the most part, here, guys. Anything you want to end with this one? I, I before I, I did want to mention. Into... Go ahead. They did remake the movie. Apparently, there's a, a remake what? that came out I in 2017. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I I want to say I don't know if it was released in theaters or not, but I do know that um, they they did remake it with with some some small TV stars. So I'm gonna assume it's probably a uh, TV movie. But yeah, 2017 Dementia 13 remake came out, so so you guys know maybe another one we need to check out to see and compare. This could oh, be shit. a movie. I could see this movie if it had a bigger budget too, being really creepy in yeah. the reins of like a slasher film slash because it's it's pretty serious up until the slasher part, you know. The slasher stuff got, like bothered me. I was like, oh my god! I was like, it, it more becomes a thriller, killed? like a mystery thriller kind of thing at first, and then yeah, it starts turning to a slasher film, but it still keeps mm-hmm. that kind of. Thrill aspect, and that's that's I think akin to the whole Hitchcock thing, but uh, yeah. because it keeps the the mystery going. But I think for just how he set the tone for this film, it's pretty good. There, it's not the best film, and and it's, it's definitely like a dated movie. But at the same time, I found moments that I was interested in, like it kept me engaged enough to not be bored of what was going on and being, uh, when are we getting to the next thing? So better than a lot of other things we might be seeing even today. If anything, it kept you interested into what the fuck was going on. You're like, I, I want to know what's going on. I want to know who it is, even though I like the it, ending. It, it's kind of obvious, but still, yeah, yeah. I do like the ending, though. I will say that much. It's super over the top, but man, I gotta say, Justin got a he got a good shot on him. Man, he blasted shit out <laughs> the, of Billy. The, the, the dog, the dog <laughs> just pulling the freaking revolver. Bro, out of he nowhere. just pulls about blasts his ass. I was, I was like, like oh, okay, Christ, back in heat. It's my like the, moment. The doc grabbed a fucking headstone and a thing and bought that shit. <laughs> just like I'm, I'm, I'm gonna fucking trap the killer because he just went nuts there. And then when he, he's like, "Don't touch her," and I was like, "Oh shit, dude." Yeah. Um. So starting with you, Marco, what would you uh, rate this one? And would you recommend it to anyone? I would rate it, man. See, I want to say like a three star, or something I'd, I'd recommend, like hard recommend at least, but. Well, yeah. not a hard recommend, but I, I would say, man, I, I get a two and a half stars, and that's not trashing the movie. It's just I don't think it's for everyone. I think that Fair. if you're if you're a diehard Coppola fan, or if you're a completionist, and I know we we say that a lot, but it's true. If if you are curious to see how his earlier work is, or if you have a fascination for older film, then it's for you. But that's kind of a niche audience, you know. So I can't really give it past a two and a half star because of that. That's fine. What about you, Nabil? 
I gave it a three star uh, rating. I think that if you're if you're just a general horror film, especially classic horror films, this is a good one to put on the list. It's it's a I'd say it's a falls in kind of the cult category, you know, especially for um, being the fact that it's a couple of film helps add on to that. But it's it's a good film to to recommend and to watch again, especially if you are just into that kind of Hitchcock style film. Yeah, I I also gave it a three star. I recommend it for. Um um, I think it is a pretty solid horror film, actually, which is yeah. weird. I didn't think, um, which now explains why maybe he did Dracula down the line, but I would never thought yeah. Coppola would have started out with like a horror film. You know what I mean? But uh, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of directors do start with horror films because they don't cost too much to shoot, you know. So it makes sense, and um, they can play around with stuff too. It's yeah, a and it shows you a lot freedom. of. It's kind of interesting. If you want to see a young Coppola just starting out? It kind of shows you a little start of a journey here. So, um, I do recommend checking it out. So that is our review of Dementia 13, though. That's our first of many a uh, couple of films that will be coming up. <laughs> Numero yeah. uno. But a lot of them are, you know, a lot of them are really good. Some of them probably won't be so good. But hey, let's. This is part of it. Tell us if uh, keeps it interesting. Tell us what you think. I think this was fun, though, guys. So yep. truth be told. All right, now into our main review of the Tender Bar. Your grandfather is a selfish old prick who resents taking care of his family. Uh, yeah. You all end up back here at my house. Welcome. Your only uncle. So I'm also your favorite uncle. Right? Sounds like something. Maybe. <laughs> I have no idea how, but you are going to law school. So you can sue your father for child support. No, so he can help with your fines about the septic tank. No, here we go. Hey, whose kid is that? My sister. Which sister? A hot one or a crazy one? What, you want to die? <laughs> okay, two rules. I'm never going to let you win. And I'm going to always tell you the truth. Your father is deadbeat. I'll take care of you. Teach the male sciences. I saw you in the yard playing sports. You're not very good. Now find some other activities. I like to read. You read enough of those? Maybe. You could become a writer. One more thing, very important. Never hit a woman, even if she stabs you with scissors. Got it. This is currently sitting at a 52% Rotten Tomatoes score. Uh, The story is about a boy growing up on Long Island. He seeks out his father figures among the patrons at his uncle's bar. It's directed by George Clooney, who also did Good Night and Good Luck back in 2005. Great film. Great movie. Ides of March in 2011. Suburbicon 2017. And Midnight Sky in 2020. Just to name a few. This film is based on a memoir by J.R. Moringer. It's written by William Monaghan, who also did Kingdom of Heaven. Also a great film. In 2005, The Departed. Also a great film. <laughs> 2006. And The Gambler. Okay film. 2014. So this was released uh, on October 10th of last year at the London Film Festival. Had a small limited release in uh, December, uh, December 17th worldwide. And then it started streaming just this year on Amazon Prime Video, January 7th is when it first started streaming. It's a pretty decent star cast starring Ben Affleck as Uncle Charlie, Ty Sheridan as JR, Daniel Ranieri, I'm sorry, Daniel Ranieri as young JR, Lily Rabe as mom, Christopher Lloyd as Grandpa, Max Martini as The Voice, Renzi Felix as Wesley, Brian Middleton stars, plays as Sydney, and Sandra James plays the grandma. All right, so James, let's get your opinion here. What did you think about this film? I thought it was okay. I was expecting more. I won't lie. I was kind of disappointed by it, ultimately. I think the relationship between JR and Uncle Charlie is the strongest aspect of the film, obviously, and I think they kind of wish they focused on it a bit more there wasn't enough of it right i kind of felt that too i think it was poorly directed uh there is um a lot of flashbacks and fast forwards that are never explained but truth be told i am not a fan of george clooney's directing hey he's an up-and-coming director bro that's fine no he's not he's been directing for fucking years so he's not up and coming (laughs) nabil is always trying to defend this guy but i dude truth be told i forgot he directed this until the end and i was like oh yeah fuck this makes a lot of sense now <laughs> i don't know man i think he's just he's better as an actor than a director i gotta you know what i will i will concede and say after seeing this film too i feel that same way i was like he really should stop directing like, he's good at the writing and he's good at the acting but he's just gotta stop with like the 45 minutes into it i thought the movie was about to be done and then i was like holy fuck there's another hour and like from that point it was just i think the pacing is a little too slow and then there's a relationship near the 
near the halfway part part between Jr. and a fellow classmate needs Sydney that I thought was super weak, but they try to make a bigger deal out of it. But that's all I'll say for now. Yeah. What about you, Marco? What were your thoughts on the movie? Truthfully, truthfully, I didn't think it was that bad, man. I kind of enjoyed it. The pacing, yeah, was kind of off, and did it drag on a little too long? Yeah, but, I mean, it's based off a memoir, so I see that, and it shows that it's based off a memoir. You just kind of, like, all these all these thoughts kind of put together and, and put onto film, you know, and, and you're kind of just following this guy along, you know, his life, and seeing the people that it affected and inspired his life you know the most and i can kind of relate to that it's kind of like you know a self-reflection and looking back as to how you got where you are today it wasn't by any chance perfect at all there's a lot that could be like you know trimmed down a little bit i agree that more, the relationship Michael. tell me more about <laughs> george clooney's failures the, the relationship with ben affleck yeah was the strongest but i think that was the point it wasn't supposed to focus on that it was supposed to show that huh he's looking back and he's like you know what of all those people my uncle is probably like the the best inspiration i ever had and you know everyone else just sort of along the way got me to where i'm at so i could relate a lot to that you know it's it, it took a lot for me personally to get to where I'm at in life right now. And it felt like that character went through the same. He had like these huge expectations from like his family of going to college and shit like that. I understand what that pressure is about. They expect you to do these big things. And you're like, honestly, I'm just trying to get a fucking paycheck. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I agree to, to your point, Marco and James, because I'm, I'm pretty much in the, the middle of it. Like it was, a, it was a, a good film. Um, not a great film, and there's definitely yeah. some technical aspects that I didn't like about it as well. But I do agree with James, like, as far as how the story is being told, the story could have been told better or shown better, at least. Yeah. Um, especially with how you start with a kind of a flashback, and then you have just in the past, and then you're in the future, and then you're just in the future for the rest of it. Like, it's just weird how they do that. <sighs> back and forth a it's little like, bit put a, ti- put a title card bro put a title card yeah like just just tell us where we're going with it is it going to be a back and forth thing they didn't they didn't linger too much on certain characters like we don't get a lot of time with his mother um which seems like a pretty important thing in the beginning yeah. um I, and it's fine if the focus was to be like on the kid but the kid was always around somebody right so he had his they had a little brief snippet with his grandfather uh, sometime with his uncle like it it seems all a bit um th- there was not enough time developing the relationships like we got enough to to say that the characters were developed but it just didn't feel like you had a lot of time with really going in a bit deeper with with his relationship um jr with with the people around him it was all just little snippets and i know it's a memoir so it is supposed to be kind of told that way but i'm sure in the novel it's probably much there's probably a lot more depth to that and this is probably trimming down a lot of that fat and piecing everything together and so that that i just feel like there's a good story somewhere in there um and i'm sure the book is great um but i i don't think the film was able to capture probably everything that needed to be put in to really you know flesh out the the life of J- young jr yeah it makes sense yeah. but yeah, i was i was okay with it though i was like i don't really need to know about more about these people <laughs> <laughs> right. I think Ben Affleck steals every scene too. He's really oh yeah, Uncle Charlie was the ben best. Ben Affleck was pretty great. Yeah, everybody has well, Uncle so, Charlie. So we did notice that the film also is is, is in uh, set in the seventies, I believe. Right. So uh, we noticed a lot of brown. A lot Dude, of, I watched uh, it with my mom, and she was like, "So much yeah. brown." I was like, well, "Very, mom, you were alive you, during this time period." Yeah. I was like, why <laughs> "It's, you, it's why a good color palette for the time." Yeah, I'll tell you. Shot? I'll tell you this. I was I was a young child in the eighties. Very true. Yeah. Very true, and I know that's a decade later, but I mean that should carry all the way to movie. What are you talking about, sir? Uh, yeah, I was like, oh shit, I remember this. All right, he's yeah, a young Hispanic boy. Like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did like the aesthetic, though. I mean, it is. I mean, it is. It's very love, brown, but I love that scene with the grandpa when he takes him to the breakfast. Yeah, and he's just spouting off his fucking like theories and shit to the teacher. <laughs> he's just like, yeah. she's like, oh okay, and he's just like, I'm just letting you know. He's like, hopefully this is the only one that gets to actually move out of this fucking place. And I was like, stab to me. Tell tell him the future right there. Says <laughs> the only one that's gonna make it. And he was right. Everybody's kind of uh, hanging around for a while. So yeah, yep. Um, 
I mean, is there anything specific that you guys, I mean, I know, James, you like the, the scene with the grandpa, but is there any other scenes that you feel that really stood out here? Or maybe something specific that you're just like, this shouldn't have been in this film? I like the scene also when Uncle Charlie, um, oh shit, are we getting spoilers? I mean, there's a scene I, later, I feel like I there's really not spoilers in here. There's not a lot but, of spoilers, yeah. I guess, technically. I like when Uncle Charlie gives him the card at the end. I like that scene a lot. Yeah. And the uh, camaraderie ship that he made with all the kind of barflies, too. I like mm-hmm. that. I like yeah. that a lot. I like the whole. Like they were all of, kind of. Those were kind all, of his family, right? Technically, and yeah, like, I was yeah. gonna say they're all like a surrogate family. Yeah, Uncle Charlie's basically his dad, so it's like yeah, you know, essentially his only his real, real dad. Is a piece of shit, like to the max. So mm-hmm. and and, um, and he realizes that at the end when he when he's like you know you're you know I think he even says you're not my dad or something like that and um yeah he comes to the realization who his real quote unquote father is and you know that who his real family is and shit so i like that yeah i think that is a very interesting dynamic and like i said like there isn't really much to spoil in this film so if anything if there's anything really big we'll we'll bring it up but i don't think there's anything we need to worry about but the relationship with jr and and the voice who essentially is is his father that he's everybody seems to think that he is chasing after the voice and maybe initially he is as a kid but over time he's just like calling it out and saying no that's just a guy on, a, in the, on the radio and meeting the meeting him in person the handful of times that he got to, to spend time with him each each time just showed how shitty of a father he really is yeah. and how disconnected he is to that to that person even though he's trying to settle um the relationship in a way that he feels like i can just move on from this um he doesn't really ever have a chance to do that because of because the voice isn't really somebody who wants to he's just yeah he's just needing closure from it really i agree yeah Mm -hmm. and he spills that whole chicken on the floor and i was like he does that still that's a perfectly good chicken put in the oven kill all that bacteria that's <laughs> so seventies of you. <laughs> uh, we just, we longer. Just, Mark is like, we just zap that shit. Don't worry, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. We're gonna zap it. It's fine. It's fine. That's what the microwave's fine. for. You heard this new technology? They it's were not gonna get engine. That. They were those shoes in that. It's kitchen, not gonna though. get any asbestos from the floor. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a that was a awkward scene because you can tell like the girls like maybe getting abused by him too. I was like, fuck, man. All right. Yeah. Oh, hands down. And, and they do. Uh, you know, there's a little spoiler here, but essentially he calls the cops on his father at the end, and they gets arrested. And we don't know how really. It's cops in the '80s. Like, not much is really going to happen with that. It'll be a little thing. He'll get arrested, and he'll be released the next day or out in bail. So, you know, probably doing more harm than good at that point. But yeah, at least he's trying. It's yeah, all for Hollywood, that- baby. I think the point though was like he did what he he did what he could try to do right is and that right. was like him like wiping his yeah. hands clean like I'm never come back here kind of thing so yeah, yeah that's when the cop says sorry about your dad and he's like that's not my dad and I was like that's not my he's not that's not my papa <laughs> real quick what though the, on the yeah. on the the relationship between Jr and Sydney actually like I didn't like I get it it's not supposed to really like take it. any any spot I see. I've I've had kind of like a relationship kind of like that where it's like kind of like you don't know what the fuck's going on and it's like oh you know they want to be with you and then they don't and I was like oh shit See, that's kind of interesting that they actually put that in the movie they don't show enough of it then for me to care like it's never strong enough no. for me to be like okay like he's starstruck over her and like it's just a couple she's trying to keep yeah. going back and she's like I'm getting married now and it's like Jesus Christ dude true it they didn't so late in the movie focus like, on it okay. too much but yeah i'm like dude you brought it up too late in the movie for me to really think that this is an ongoing thing it's like one scene five minutes later they're back five minutes later she's getting married i'm like that was fucking quick so it's like all right <laughs> yeah no it's sort of sped not, up towards the end with, like they took yeah sorry mark i was just like it, it's probably better in the novel too it's just george clean can't tell you how, how well yeah. it's done that's the problem <laughs> Truth. He doesn't know what the fuck's going on. He got married. He's like, like 60, telling a story, dude. yada yada yada, big bam boom. That's the he story. Likes his broad, her fucking parents are fucking assholes. Here you go, ta da. Well, I do agree. <laughs> details. Though. We don't need the details. He loves her. She's a chick. Truth. He's a guy. What about it? Sorry, he doesn't even talk like this. But <laughs> I, I was, I was the Batman once. <laughs> That should have been me up there. <laughs> I was in a movie with J-Lo. You don't think I know about love? 
there. <laughs> also a good movie, out of sight. I like that. He just hasn't made a good movie in like twenty years, so. I know that's a you like that that's film a uh, the descendants. You like the descendants. Okay, touche. I like that, but it was very depressing. <laughs> it was. I didn't mind Midnight Sky. Sorry, yeah, that's right. That was right. Yeah. It could have been. Anyways, so, so speaking on the relationship, I'd like to talk JR about Clint Moore, you um, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I still like the American James. I know. I know. You can do that. that was a great film. I'm still falling asleep thinking about it. Sorry. <laughs> did Did he direct Michael Carter? Michael Clayton. No, he didn't. Do it. Oh, I was like, that's the actual. What the fuck is Michael Carter? <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. That's not a real film. Oh shit. I didn't like no, Michael Clayton called? either. Michael Clayton. Oh, I don't Michael like Clayton. Clayton. Like Michael, Michael Clayton was a good movie. Sorry, we're not trying to bash Clooney here, but. Oh, we are, but it's okay. I don't I like his Nespresso ads. <laughs> Continue. With Danny DeVito, especially, when he jumps in. So, so uh, just adding on to the JR and Sydney relationship, I think the other part is that it does make JR seem very desperate, right? Because he's keeps going back to her, thinking that she's wanting more, and she is stringing him along, but... It's, it shows that he is also looking for some something else to kind of hold on to in his future that he's familiar yeah, with and true. comfortable That's with. True. Whereas, like, in his past with his family, you know, they everybody's wanting something out of him or not uh, in certain instances. And he's found something that he found that he could connect with. And she's just like, yeah, no, or this isn't going to work kind of thing. And he's just not getting the hint. But she's still I think he's trying, trying to, to sing be him along. different from everyone, too, because they're all from yeah. failed relationships and such like that. And. He's trying to be maybe the one that's like, no, I have like something that I'm different. And um, yeah, and it kind of backfires on him because he finds someone that really only wants to use him as an escape. So exactly. Right. She's like, I, I like messing with the poor guys. And he's like, what? Uh, so you're just my thrill for now. I want to bring out one scene that I, I really did like the candlestick bowling, by the way. That's the thing. I looked it up. I've never um, seen that. It was, that's not how they bowled back then. That's no, no, a different that, kind it's of bowling, right? In that area. It's it's a it's a method of bowling that's very popular in that area. Uh, of, uh, I was Long like, Island they couldn't have been shit. bowling like that back then. I remember. Yeah. I was curious so, about that too, Nabil. I was like, is that how it was pin, back then? What? Candle pin bowling. That's what they look like. Candles. Wow. And it's a small ball. They still do it. But I love the scene where the girl brings up something about his mom, and then he basically gives Ben Affleck <laughs> gives her that look. I really like that scene a lot. And he's like, don't worry about Pat anymore. She won't be coming around. <laughs> <She's> <laughs> like, that was he's like, it. I don't she think she was that bad. He's like, uh, that he says something like, oh, I've given her a couple tries or something or a couple chances, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. And I was like, nice. I don't know why, but I really like that scene for some reason. I'm, I just I'm like, I, I kind of wanted to be Uncle Charlie. I was like, I kind of like this dude. I want to I want to live his life. I hope I am like Uncle Charlie with my nieces and nephews. I hope I come <laughs> off cross like that. So. <laughs> right, kind of cool and stuff. You're like the cool uncle, but you give the good good advice, the real stuff. You know what I mean? Like yep. you're not trying to bullshit them. So you're the real one. Yeah. You're straight shooter. Yeah, you're not trying to make life sound out like cherry and popcorn and all this shit. You know what I mean? So <laughs> weird combo, but you know what I mean. There, I, I, there I is um, there is that final scene, like you were saying, James, where um, he was given his car as he's gotten a. He's gonna go take a chance out in Manhattan, and I thought to myself, "Yeah, what the fuck is he gonna do with a car in Manhattan? Like, where's nineteen eighty six or some shit? He'll be fine. There's nowhere to go in Manhattan with a car. <laughs> you could say I, the same thing about San Francisco, but you know, people still own a car there. People still have it to a point. That's but, not the um, same, Marco, and you know that. I liked. I, I like. I said I like that Truth. scene, and and the guys are all kind of. It's just funny, like, do these guys have jobs? They're just always there, right? No. I mean, they're probably, you know, they're blue-collar workers. And then they get off of work, they get in a beer. That's what they do. They're drunk. It seems like they were there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They're there, there, like, in the morning, bro. What are you talking about? Although, I do like that aspect of the bar where it's, like, books and stuff. I was like, it makes the alcoholics feel like they're there. It's a good name of a bar, too. They're getting an education. They're like, no, I come here to read. sounds like everybody's pretty smart in that town, or at least we go to the bar, and they they know what's going on. I like that, too, though, that it was, like, kind of like a bar with a library in it. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, They don't need to all go to Yale. They they know what they need to do. Yeah. Well, he talks highly of Uncle Charlie. Like, he could have went to college, but he... You know, he didn't. So that like, whole family. Yeah. I mean, his grandfather could uh, memorize everything. A photographic memory knew every word that was written, knows everything that he's ever studied. But and went to college, and he's like, and I'm just here. And then he's I'm on the, in the sofa it. farting and stuff. 
I was like, yeah, nice. And I, <laughs> I like that it was Christopher Lloyd, I built a time machine once. <laughs> I like that it was Christopher Lloyd. He was recently in that movie Nothing or Nobody as well, so it's kind of like, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that too. He's coming back, baby. He's really old though, so I'm like, oh. I mean, I don't know how much more he's going to come back to, Marco, but yeah. But yeah don't say I, that about Doc Brown. I liked it. So, so um, was there anything else, anything else that stood out to you, Marco, that you felt like... Um, really kind of either was worked well or didn't work well no uh, i'd say that you know it's, it's a very middle of the road movie you know it's not like i said it's not great it's not you know horrible the pacing is just kind of off and it some is of the a characters, bit slow right we can admit that yeah, yeah some of the some of the character development is very weak but you i guys mean like it's like sheridan by the way we haven't talked about him really he's okay I do. he's technically the other lead i like him as an actor yes I yeah. thought he was one of the better things about this movie too, tell you the truth. So. Yeah. Same. Same. I like the I kid. Say, I thought I thought the kid was great. Daniel Ranieri. He was really good too. I, I know he's a new actor. Yes, um, I will admit he was good too. He was pretty enjoyable. I liked seeing him act. But I, because I haven't seen Ty Sheridan in a lot, I I enjoyed his his scenes too, especially when he's trying oh, to come up in his writing career and he's just like you know being underpaid and you know being told he doesn't have enough, enough experience and I'm like I, I can totally relate to that <laughs> me and you both we're both in the same boat I was like yeah. man getting told by your boss that you can't get promoted where has this been yeah um, and then uh, actually being promised something and then it being taken away and it's like oh, oh well, lie, welcome to I'm the real lie. world Marco that's how I'm I know right? like, oh. oh hi Bailey Bailey came to say hi it's a couple of wines hey. hitting me pretty hard right now <laughs> You stay a little in. longer, folk. You might uh, you might hear James's life story. <laughs> yeah, I might. I might tell everybody what's going on real, real quick. I'm just kidding. Well, I think we've pretty much talked as much as we can about the film because that just tells you what uh, how well George Clooney did with actually telling the story. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> if you only knew, listeners, if you only knew. <laughs> You can tell, so, like, probably in like someone else's hands, this movie might be like super I think so. fucking good. Honestly, it, if it was to uh, uh, to any kind of, uh, you I know who I was thinking it, who to a better director would be great. You know who could have probably directed this better was uh, I kept thinking of Ron Howard because yeah, last year he did that. Kind of he did that memoir movie too last year, the one with Glenn Close. And I mean, truthfully, the story was bullshit on that, but it was directed really well. So like this one. Probably would be the one where like oh he probably would have nailed this one dude so hillbilly yeah, elegy or something. James, right? James really wants to say anyone but George oh, Clooney could have done a better job. Yeah, I mean me and Marco combined probably could have shot this a little better. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> a lot I feel of static like George shots. Clooney could have done the voice though. A lot of static a, a, shots. Max Martini's uh, character. If he just played him, it would have been fine. I'll say this much: Max Martini does have a good voice though. I was like, okay, interesting yeah. pick, but. By the end, I'm like, has he even aged in the last? Like, dude, no, they that's tried one problem to I had too. When when the kid ages, right? It's been what ten years. I'm like, wouldn't the grandpa be dead by now? That's what I was thinking. I'm just saying. He was already old. His the uh, person who plays his grandma, Sandra James. She did actually pass away in September of last year. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, oh dang. shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Okay. Yeah. That sucks. So, and on that note, she doesn't have so, much of. A, I mean, she doesn't <laughs> have much of a role. Like, tell you the good truth. night, everybody. I do no, like when she's just brief. like, "Or you can take him, you son of a bitch." And then he's like, "Maybe <laughs> and I will." Like a That's lines. like her only line in the whole fucking movie, huh? So. Yep. So, so James, what would you, uh, what would you rate this film? I would give this three George Clooney's out of five George Clooney's. George Clooney's. <laughs> <laughs> This is three Batman Forevers out of five Val Kilmers. Oh, shit. <laughs> I can't. That's what I give it, DeVille. What about you, Jack in the Box What about guy? you, Marco? <laughs> oh, man. The, the wine's just, hidden hard, guys. I just keep seeing George Clooney. <laughs> just his face. Oh, man. Woo. He's just... He's just grumbling too. Uh, I'm just, Batman. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Michael Clayton. I anyway. directed Ides of March. It was terrible too. Yeah, it wasn't looking. Oh, and man, that football movie didn't... with John Krasinski. Oh, oh, oh yeah, I've never even seen yeah. Leatherheads. Neither have I. Don't lie to me, Nabil. You've seen every I George want, That's the one I've wanted to see and I haven't seen. <laughs> yeah. You're not missing out, yeah. sir. I know. <laughs> He's in that movie what too, so. 
Yeah, he's in I, there with John Krasinski. What about you, Marco? <laughs> sorry, Bailey's gonna Bailey, Hold on, Bailey's giving me the final verdict. Okay. I get I I'm telling him. I'm t- you see, he wants to rush me. I give this three to five stars. Yeah. I I I gave this three and a half stars. You fucking son of a bitch. <laughs> he gave the Clooney bump. Yeah, he gave, I the, gave Clooney the Clooney bump. bump. G- GC directed it. I got a I got a little lead. <laughs> Just a little. Whoop, whoop. He said GC. <laughs> you know we're on oh, a first fuck. we're on an initial basis right now. Jr. JC. Fuck it, right? <laughs> so he JC. JC's got me all the way. I will say. Mm. I'll give it a just because I feel like I shit on the whole time. It is, it is one of his better movies, though. Is that weird? That's how little I no, see. No, I things. agree with that too. Of the films <laughs> he's directed, I kind of think this is as at least as of late, like, it's one of his, his absolute films. worst. Is probably Monuments Men, right? I would say, right? We can probably oh, yeah. all agree on that. that so like, that's his absolute worst. Like I have no idea what happened there. Like that movie's almost unwatchable. That film should have been better, especially with the cast. But then this movie. Mm. It's pretty middle of the road, is what I would say. That's why I'm giving it three out of five. So it, no. there, there are some things to like about it, especially I think Ben Affleck. Like I said, is it's probably worth it alone just to see Ben Affleck's performance. And I do hope he gets an Oscar nod for it. So he did get a Golden Globe nod, but no one cares about the Golden Globe, so it doesn't matter. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I do agree there that I think it's worth it, at least for Clooney's performance and. Not Clooney. For, not Clooney, sir. He's not in this movie. Not Clooney. <laughs> he, he did all right. He, he needs to know just, you know, how to organize the story a little better. That's all. He's done like seven movies, bro. They all like the same thing. I don't know. Nah, bro. Still an amateur. He's got time. The Bill thinks he just started two years ago. He's been making movies since like 2005, dude. He's didn't still John Krasinski, uh, worry, bro. Didn't John Krasinski uh, direct two movies now? I think he just directed <laughs> the same, yeah, quite two of the same movies. Two, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those Maybe are two episodes two, of fucking, uh, what's that? I'm the just Jack saying. Looney's been and making movies saying. for 17 years, dude. No, I know, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like he's saying, he George oh, Clooney. Oh yeah, no, just that's what I'm trying gummy. to get at too. I'm like, mm, I don't know, Bill. I don't think he's he's, a good... he's still learning from everybody around him. You know, he's getting tips. The thing tips. is, he's, he's still getting paid to do this though. So I'm like, shit, dude. I mean, you know, there's a lot of shit directors and there's a lot of okay directors. Clooney fills that okay role. I okay. <laughs> I don't. Exactly. I don't even agree with that, but okay. I'll t- I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. My last words about it. I would rewatch it. I wouldn't though. See, I give it a th- ah, I give it a three. <laughs> I would rewatch it. Yeah, but again, it's just not one. It's it's just a mediocre film though. You know, there's some good performances. There's a story there somewhere, but it's just I it's truthfully not, like I think said, it's, it's deserving just, of its 52 percent of Rotten Tomatoes. Like half people yeah. liked it, half people didn't. Basically, so I'm like, I can see it's that. a good mix. Yeah. So yeah. 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 It's about there. All right, guys. So that is the end of the podcast. Podcast number 117. Thank you once again for all the feedback, response, and reviews. Marco, let them know how they can reach us. You can check us out. I was going to say something witty about like classic movies, but I just I can't think of anything. So I'm just going to say you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at MoviePalsPod. Please make sure to like, follow, and share. We've been getting some of you commenting on our posts. We appreciate that. Keep it coming. Let us know that you've uh, been through the pain with us and uh, marathon movies or um, what your maybe, opinions are yeah, of what we've reviewed. Maybe let us, reviewed. let us know about these couple of things. How would you like that spot? Tell yeah, us yeah, how great us. Uh, George Clooney really is. And tell, tell yeah, me if you love George Clooney, if you love Batman and, just, and Robin, let, let us know. Just I want me, you to please, tell us. At, at Movie Pals Pod, at Nabil Lothe, and Lothe, it's fine. Go ahead. And, and, <laughs> do, do you think Nabil is right about George Clooney still being up and coming? Also, 17 year, years later, <laughs> you know? <laughs> if you use Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Stitcher, smash that subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode. If this is your first time listening to us, welcome. Thank you. This is kind of a wild one. We're a little loosey-goosey right now. Me and James are a little boozed up, but you know. That's hey, all you get to do. has got a lot of wine, so there's other ones to try, guys. Oh, yeah. This just We're going to continue to get smashed for you. This is the first of many. I think this was fun. So, say that again, James. We take that. It's all right. I can't talk. Stay tuned for our next podcast, podcast number 118. Mm. We're going to be reviewing the new 
film Death on the Nile, and we're going to do another Coppola film, Finian's Rainbow. So stay tuned until mm-hmm. then. This has been James. And Marco. And Nabil. Have a great one. <laughs>